Good morning to you all. Welcome to this sunny Sunday service. Please turn to number 175. We'll begin our worship with Break Thou Thy Bread of Life. Once again, uh, Allie called, and she's not able to make it here this week, hopefully next week. Uh, but we will have our call to worship now, which is Psalm 13 to the chief musician of David. How long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him, and those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Let us continue to worship. Singing number 164, I must tell Jesus. We can always go to him. 164. I cannot bear my 
us alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask Him, He will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly and end. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help. Alone, tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. He all my cares and sorrows will share. Jesus, I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. which is Hebrew for it is true. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that we can be gathered here this morning in this place on a cold but sunny day. We pray that you would help us to just blot out all distractions, all the cares and worries and anxieties of life, and to just focus on you and your Father in the Holy Spirit. And we pray that Our worship will be pleasing to you, and as a result of spending time with you, we would be just a little bit more changed to be like you and to be your ambassadors in this world. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And now, uh, let's see. Our prayer of uh, confession is next. It's on our bulletin inserts. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. Lord, bring new life where we are worn and tired, new love where we have turned hard-hearted, Forgiveness where we feel hurt and where we have wounded, and the joy and freedom of your Holy Spirit where we are prisoners of ourselves. In your holy name we pray. Amen. And we always have the hope uh, given by John the Apostle as he was an old man and mentoring many generations of Christians. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and 
to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's where we just continue on in our walk with God all the way until we see him face to face, either at his return or are going to be with him. And now let's um, sing another song. There's a lot about the gospel and evangelism this morning. 322, I love to tell the story. portion of it right now because our primary scripture this morning comes from Mark's gospel chapter 4 and we will read verses 1 to 20 and 30 through 34. 
And he began to teach by the, began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up. But because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him, Ask of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these that are by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, And the lust of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. And then skipping down to verse 30, uh, he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with them many such parables spoke he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the accompanying psalm is Psalm 126, one of the songs of ascent. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion... We were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. We are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. 
They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Okay. And now uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father of the Lord and Savior, the Messiah, that you sent, whom you sent, to redeem all who repent by turning from themselves to you and from their way to your way. Please open our hearts and even hard hearts to the below the surface deep truths of the parables which cannot be understood only by human reasoning. Please help us to be faithful to sow your word. Sow it free from our interpretations and biases, but just as you inspired it, trusting your word will do the good purpose for which you gave it. And please help us to share with others even when we do not feel like it, and even when we are in difficult circumstances which we do not understand. We pray that you will protect the rights of medical personnel to practice according to their consciences, consciences, and if they desire to faithfully obey you. Because... In this state and other states, there are local governments that are trying to take away their licenses to practice unless they do things that are against your word. And should they lose their license, please provide for them. And please guide our president and governor into your truth and not what they think will get them elected to keep the power that they have. Uh, I pray especially for our President Father um, that he will be able to understand the faith he professes. And please prick the consciences of all voters to see the lies they've been felt, uh, fed by our culture controllers. There are so many people now who are either wittingly or unwittingly agents of the accuser who is the adversary of all that is from you, all that is yours, O oh God. And we thank you. I'm so excited to hear on the news this week that uh, Noriega finally released Bishop Alvarez after almost two years, and he's safe in Rome. And please help Christians and citizens of Nicaragua, as well as Russia, Ukraine, Gaza, China, North Korea, in what may be the most dangerous nation on earth for Christians, Nigeria. And we pray for our cell in Jesus' body. First of all, for Elin, please strengthen her heart and give her clarity of mind and provide a place for her. We pray for Allie that she may fully recover from her respiratory condition. And uh, Father, I wrote this before John arrived, but please continue to be with him and all of his family. Please be with Doris, and please be with Debbie as she goes through a transition in her life. Help her to be focused and fruitful in what she's been longing to do for so many years now. Please help Peter, Linda, Billy, and their whole family in doing all you've given them. Ah, and... Um, Please help, help us all um, because you will always assign us tasks that are just beyond what we can do in our own strength. So help us to trust that you will never call us beyond what you will provide for us to do, even when we think it is too much. And with this thought, I close by praying for Al and for Carol's family for Noel and Darren and for my sister. And now please guide me as I explain, interpret, and apply your word. 
May all who hear, beginning with me, be changed enough that we will leave here more like Jesus, more like Jesus every day. And please, may we who are here in person all experience Jesus in the sacrament. And now we come to you with the words that Jesus gave his followers, which touch on everything that's important and should be in our prayers. Praying together with one heart and voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we uh, take a deep dive into God's word, um, let's prepare our hearts singing number 338, My Savior's Love, 338. physicist and cosmologist in one of his books describes an interaction that he had with a colleague after analysis from of all the data from the Hubble telescope had come in that indisputably indisputably confirmed the events of the big bang theory And after this had been done and published and was in the newspapers, Hugh's co-worker approached him and said, Congratulations. You were right. There was a moment of 
creation. Therefore, there must be a creator. However, I cannot believe in your creator. And this interchange illustrates the truth of a good saying that I have first heard probably almost 40 years ago. The physical distance between our head and our heart is about 18 inches. But the spiritual distance can be infinite. And Hughes' colleague intellectually conceded the existence of a creator, but his heart could not surrender fully to the God who died for his sins and rose to give him life. You see, people, all people, myself included until I was almost 26 years old, find it hard to surrender what they call freedom, which is in reality bondage to sin and self. To surrender this, to be mutually bound to the God, uh, to God himself, to experience what true freedom really is. And what is true freedom? You may not have heard this definition. You may not have even considered it. But it's to live life as God intends all people to live life, experiencing his amazing love in even the greatest trials and afflictions of life. The whole Torah was given as instruction as to how we should live, and we can't do it on our own. But Jesus penetrated the hearts of people with parables, and we will look at a couple parables today. Rather than direct propositions and proofs, as scientists use them, Jesus used poetic stories and illustrations from everyday life. And then the intention was that people would ponder these in private, letting them percolate in their hearts till they would eventually produce real change. And his first and greatest parable was about a sower who sowed seeds everywhere. And the point is that the results of sowing will depend upon the condition of a person's heart. And there's a corollary to this, which I was working out and heard confirmed by a sermon when I was in seminary. Every single person's heart is made up in varying degrees of all four kinds of soil. So don't say you're fully one of any of the four. Now, our secondary parable this morning illustrates the power of a small portion of Scripture to be used by God to grow his kingdom exponentially. And finally, the psalm we heard encourages God's people to sow his word, even when they are in great sorrow. God wants his people to know that they will eventually rejoice in the harvest that he will provide in his time. So now let's go deeper together. We're going to spend half of our time on this parable of the sower. And we can summarize it that Jesus spoke a parable to a multitude about a sower who sowed in four places And the twelve asked him to explain, and he answered. So the first part is just the parable itself. Jesus spoke it to a large multitude by the sea about a sower who went out to sow in four places with four results. And then he commanded everybody to hear. Okay. He began to teach by the sea. A great multitude gathered to him. Having entered a ship on the land, he was teaching in parables. So he was in a ship there on the land. He's just off the shore. He's at the Sea of Galilee, and so many people are drawn to him. He's sitting in a boat 
to teach parables. He wants everybody to hear what he's saying. He continues, you all must be hearing. Behold, one sowing went out to sow seed. So Jesus starts right off with a strong commandment. All people in the crowd must hear him. Why? He wants them to respond to his teaching. And interestingly, I said parables are about every life, but there's only one person, one human being in the parable itself, the man who's sowing the seed. Jesus continues, it happens. Some seed fell by the way. And birds came and devoured it. Well, again, this is all common sense. These are commonplace things. Birds will eat seeds, among other things they eat, but they love themselves some seeds. And a path is very hard and smooth. So there it is. Easy pickings for their food. This would be the easiest meal for a hungry bird sitting there on the path. Then Jesus continues, other seed fell on rocky ground. We're not having much earth. At once it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun rose, it scorched. And because it had no root to it, it withered. Again, more common sense. Um, a layer of soil over rocks is often almost always shallow. I, I found a lot of that when I was a boy hiking up in the wilderness behind our house. Plants with deep roots, they will have access to water way, way down below the surface where the water table is. But um, without such access to water, plants will eventually wither. Jesus goes on some more. Other seed fell into thorn plants, which grew up and choked it, and it gave no fruit. Think about it. The thorn plants were already there. The seed goes in the ground. Well, these plants that are already grown up have a real head start. So when the poor other um, seed comes up and begins to spring out, it's going to be choked. It can't possibly yield any fruit. And then Jesus concludes his parable, other seed fell on good ground, and it was giving fruit, growing up and increasing, and it was bringing forth 130, 160, and one, 100. So this excellent soil, which was deep, wet, and full of minerals, produced anywhere from 30 to 100 times as much fruit as the seed that was sown. I think the reason for the variation here would be some of it fell on deeper, richer soil and others of it didn't. But the soil overall and in specific places was at least strong enough that you could have a great yield. And then we're told Jesus was concluding, he having ears to hear, he must be hearing. So here's a command. And, and just think about it. And I noticed the King James Version inserted some words in the parable that weren't in the original. On the surface, Jesus is just telling every farmer what he already knows. Now, some were fishermen and some had other kinds of occupations. But really, he's saying something very important below the surface of this story. And he's demanding action on this deeper truth. So here's the first thing we must do as we read scripture. It's not a speed contest. It's more of a spending time in it quietly, prayerfully to understand it. We must always be praying to be given ears to hear, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit in God's word, be reading in the spirit, seeking God through the spirit in order to obey him, obey him in the faith of Jesus. Well, the next part is what all of us would have done if we were there. I'll summarize it. When he was alone with the 12, they asked him about the parables. And he answered both in general, the purpose of 
parables and specifically about this one. Let's go back to our text starting in verse 10. When he was with them alone, they were asking him, those around him and the 12, about the parables. So later, when the multitude of the crowd had gone, his disciples asked Jesus, what do you mean with this parable? And he's saying to them, and I know this got me very, very early on as a Christian, maybe the first time I even read the Gospels, to you all, The mystery has been given of the kingdom of God. But to those outside in parables, all is being. You see, the truth of God's king is not discernible. His kingdom, we can't discern it by our human means alone. No matter how much learning we've had or anything else. In fact, it is a mystery to all those that are self-sufficient. If you think you're good enough in yourself, you're not going to understand God's word. You see, there's really two kinds of people. Some people know their spiritual needs, and they are open to all that God is, especially what he is in his son, the Savior, who became flesh and blood and lived with us. But others are unwilling to give themselves over to God in humble faith. It's just not in them. Jesus continues, so that seeing they may be seeing and not perceive. Hearing they may be hearing and not be understanding. They may not even ever understand. Otherwise, they may turn and they may be forgiven to them. Now, some later manuscripts added sins, which I think was the point of what Jesus was saying. But what he's doing here, and you need to understand it because it's six or seven times in all the Gospels. He is paraphrasing what God had said through Isaiah to Israel about their hard heart always turning away from God. Isaiah 6, and compare Matthew 13, where he gave a few more words than Mark gave here. You see, some people have calloused hearts, hard hearts. But some people are given hearts to understand and to turn to God and to be healed, which is how verse 10 ends. You see, parables are designed to bypass the mind in some ways and are overanalyzing, get right to hearts. Jesus taught often with stories aimed at the heart. So he's saying to them, not you all have known this parable? How all the parables will you know? So here's a challenge. With these two questions, which are strong and almost exclamations, Jesus is challenging his followers. And then over the next seven verses, he explains the parable. So he starts with the one sowing, the word is sowing. So see, it's not about seeds, it's not about plants, it's about sowing the word of God. That's what it's about. And to them, it was the Tanakh. Now, that's an acronym in Hebrew. Torah, which is Moses' five books of instruction. Nevi'im, which is the prophets. The former and the latter, so the historical books and the writing prophets, Isaiah and the minor ones, all of them. And then the Ketavim is what was written, mostly wisdom, Psalms, Solomon, even Chronicles, which closes the Hebrew Bible. You can sow a portion of this word, the appropriate portion. Jesus continues, those being by the way, where is being sown the word, when they have heard at once the adversary is coming and is taking away the word that had been sown in them or on them. So he's talking about a pathway here. Okay. The soils are the hearts of people. And people with hearts that are as hard as a beaten, well-traveled path, 
upon hearing the word. The adversary of God and the adversary of people takes away that word. So the adversary is compared to birds. Then he goes on, those being on rocky ground, when they have heard the word, at once with gladness are receiving it, not having root in themselves. So afterward, having been affliction or persecution because of the word, at once they're being led into sin. Now, this Greek word is skandalizo. You can know what English word we got out of it. Um, People with shallow hearts do not have deep roots. So when the trouble all followers of Jesus will experience comes without those roots, they cannot resist sin. And then those being among the thorns, having heard the word, the anxieties of the age, the deception of riches and other passions entering are choking the word and unfruitful it is becoming. Thorns are the things of this world that must be overcome by full-hearted trust in Jesus. People must pray that he will always weed their hearts so that they may be fruitful, as he would describe in John 15 in the upper room. So here's another application. Every day we must prayerfully examine the condition of our hearts and repent of any hardness, shallowness, and wrong desires that may be in us. As I said, each one of us has some portion of these soils in our heart. And then Jesus concludes his explanation. Those being upon good ground are those hearing the word, receiving and bearing fruit, 130, 160, 100. So, people with open and good hearts so as to have humble, dependent, obedient faith in Jesus, they will bear much fruit for him. This is the bottom line, the point, the teaching of the parable of the sower. Have open hearts to God, willing to do what he asks us to do, sowing Everywhere, all the time, Jesus teaches stories that are aimed at the heart because we will, are the overflow of our heart, we will speak and act, as Jesus also said. Okay, the second half, Jesus compares God's kingdom to a small seed producing a shade tree. And he gave more parables which he explained only to his disciples. And the bottom line of all can be summed up from Psalm 126. Jesus is the one who restores captives, especially captives of sin, making them joyful seed sowers themselves. So let's skip down now over a couple parables to Mark 4, verse 30. Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a grain of mustard seed, the least of seeds being sown and growing into a shade tree. So he was saying, in what way may we compare the kingdom of God? Or in what parable may we set it? And now he's going to set it. Jesus asked this rhetorical question about the kingdom before giving an appropriate parable. And here it is. Like a seed of mustard, which when may have been sown in the earth is least of all seeds. Jesus is comparing God's kingdom to a mustard seed, the smallest seed. But then he goes on. But when it may have been sown, it's growing up and it's becoming greater than all the garden herbs and making great branches so to be able under its shade birds of heaven to dwell. 
The kingdom of God started very small. Jesus came to earth. He called a few disciples. He had 12 apostles. There were 120 in the upper room after his resurrection. And then there were 5,000, 7,000. Now there's over a billion. So it would grow and it would give protection and life in this parable even to birds. But think of what he said in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 when he said, if God takes care of the birds of the field in this way, how much more will he take care of you? The kingdom of God, being in God's kingdom as a citizen of his kingdom and a child through Jesus, that is where true life is, where protection is, where safety is. Jesus goes on and he spoke many such parables according to Mark. To those being able to hear... That's like he was saying it to the crowds, but to his own disciples, he explained all things. So of such parables, many he was speaking the word to them, even as they were being able to hear. Now, I have a study Bible, and it lays out some 40 parables of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. And those being able to hear, this is critical. They have hearts wide open to God, willing to surrender all that they are and all that they have to do his will. Jesus teaches with stories aimed at the heart. Let's open our hearts. Last word from Mark's gospel this morning. We're told that without a parable, he was not speaking to them, the masses. But... Privately to his disciples, he's explaining all. So, as I already hinted, to mixed crowds, Jesus aimed at hard hearts with parables to perplex these hard hearts. If we don't understand it, it means we need a more open heart and be asking the Spirit to soften us to understand it. But he granted a privilege to his disciples as he built up their hearts with full explanations so that they would love, first of all, him and his word and his ways and doing his will for them. You see, Jesus teaches with stories aimed at the heart to change us, to be who God made us to be. And now let's go back and look at Psalm 126, which tells us, it's a short psalm, the covenant God restores his people from captivity to teach them that he can turn tearful sowing into joy. If you've ever felt like you've just been witnessing and nothing is happening, keep trusting God. Okay, now let's look at the psalm. We'll look at it line by line. When turned again, Yahweh, the captivity of Zion, we were as dreamers. Then we'll be filled with laughter, our mouth and our tongue with ringing cry. So God's people here are recalling their emotions when they returned as a small remnant to the Temple Mount after the Babylonian exile. And they were laughing and they were shouting with voices that rang like bells. Back to the psalm. Then they will say among the nations, he made great things Yahweh to do with them. He made great things Yahweh to do to us. And we have become joyful. God is great. He is so great. The returned remnant proclaims the great things that Yahweh God did for them. And prime among them was they were made joyful as they rejoiced in the greatness of their covenant God. Moving on to verse 4. Thou must turn again Yahweh our captivity as the stream beds in the south. So here is a strong supplication. They're petitioning strongly Yahweh for their full restoration 
That's what happened every springtime when the water would fill the streams, the runoff, in the dry southland, Negev in Hebrew. And let us never forget what Jesus said in John 4. He says, I am the one who gives the living water. So let us learn to accept that affliction and anxiety, dryness, wilderness, it's all part of life. And it can be overcome in Jesus, the giver of living water. And now the last two verses for this morning. Those sowing in tears and ringing cry will reap. He indeed going forth to weep, bearing a trail of seed. He will indeed come with ringing cry, bearing sheaves. And I remember that old gospel hymn, bringing in the sheaves, based on this psalm. So, Using synonymous images, there's two images here. The psalmist describes sowing seeds in tears. In fact, Jesus may have based his parable of the man sowing on this very psalm and shouts of joy. If we sow in obedience to God, even in trials, the result will be such a harvest that God's people will shout for joy with ringing cries. So we've come to the end. Here is our final application. May all of us together live our lives encouraged to sow the word in sorrow for the joy that will come as people held captive to sin are restored to God in Jesus. That is our mission on this earth right now. If that wasn't our mission, we'd already be with God. Remember this, God can turn tears to joy. So let me just summarize and wrap up what we heard this morning. Jesus told a large crowd a parable about a sower who sowed on four soils with differing results. Then alone with his disciples, he explained its meaning. And he also compared God's kingdom to a lowly mustard seed, which grew into a shade tree. These parables were spoken to those with ears to hear. And then the psalm teaches us that tearful sowing turns to joy when God restores those who had been captive, even and especially captives to sins. Jesus was always teaching with stories aimed at our hearts. So let's keep our hearts open to God's word always. Now let's prepare our hearts for communion, singing number 260, which is appropriate. Come share the Lord. We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. No one is a stranger here. Breathe.
together soon. Where angels sing, we'll see the glory of our Lord and coming King. Now we anticipate the feast for which we wait. Come take the bread, come drink the wine, come share the Lord. Amen. All right. If everybody will take your bulletin inserts, we will uh, pray, pray this responsive reading to prepare our hearts for communion. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world. Jesus identified himself. So come to the table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more. You who have come here often, and you who have not been for a long time, and you who have tried to try to Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing, so we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among all his communities. May we in Christ and one with each other, with gifts and with them ourselves, a single living act of praise. Amen. And now let us pray together before we partake of the elements. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all, and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, this bread may be for us the body of Christ, and this cup the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise, and as we eat and drink at his command, unite us to Christ as one body in him, and give us strength to serve you in the world. And to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And let us now partake of the elements. Amen. I, many years ago, this image came to me of a cone. And, and on this cone would be all the people on earth, and there would be lines going out connecting each person towards the top. And God's love, the closer God's love draws us to him, the closer he draws us to each other. And ultimately, all God's people on earth will just be the point with him in heaven. So every time we become more Christ-like through worship and the sacraments, the closer we get to God, remember he's bringing us closer to each other also in that final day. Now let's uh, close uh, giving thanks to God. It was all about being fruitful. And uh, I believe that as we eat the fruit of creation, it can make us even more fruitful. So this is a praise to God, and let's sing it as such. 591, for the fruit of all creation. Future needs in earth's sake.
good word, which is what benediction means. It's from John chapter 15, which I thought of a lot preparing this message this morning. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. And let's close singing 528, Lord be glorified, in my life be glorified. Glorify. 